Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Elite Beat, your source for all of the AEW news, opinions, analysis, guest interviews at times, and everything else you could possibly want from an AEW fan podcast. I guess, Megan, you're, you're sitting over there, 110 miles to my southwest, and are we AEW fans, or are we AEW stands? Oh, what a question. Um, I'm going to stick with fan because I am over the age of 16. Oh, okay. I think I'm going to stick with fans, too, because I'm only just now starting to come around on their women's division. Okay. Do you? Can you only stand man's men? No, I think if we were stands, we would just we would never say anything negative about them at all. Oh, okay. I don't see. I don't know the Tumblr rules of how these things work. Me neither. But I think that's one of them. All right. Well, then definitely a fan. But I, I too, am coming around on the women's division. Maybe not to stand level yet. We've got a big week for you today. We've got two editions of After Dark. Last week, they got us with two editions of Being the Elite. And this week, we had a Tuesday and a Friday After Dark. And why am I saying After Dark? It's dark. I don't know. <laughs> Jenny, who is who is upstairs, sick in bed, has infected my brain with a false title for that show. It is AEW Dark. We've got Being the Elite, only one this week. We've got Dynamite. We're going to do a little bit of a preview for Full Gear. And, very excitingly, the first week of what is promised by Cody to be a weekly Friday afternoon feature, the AEW rankings. We're going to have top five contenders in the men's, women's, and tag team divisions. So, you know, look forward to that. We can kind of talk about if anybody is ranked in a way that we think is, you know, bad, I guess. Isn't it all based on numbers, though? Sort of. We can get into that because it, the graphics that they provide have the, their overall records. It, it definitely seems like it's based on numbers, but also sort of based on maybe like quality of competition. Okay. So there is some subjectivity in there. Yeah, yeah. Which I like, you know. But anyway. Yeah. I just wasn't going to argue with the math. No, I strictly don't. numbers. I don't blame you. Uh, but first... As with every week, even with Jenny, our fearless, not leader, but whatever she is, <laughs> upstairs alcohol sick. Alcohol Yes, our fearless alcohol butcher, up in bed sick. We bring you the Elite Beat Pop of the Week. Now, Megan, what yeah. are you working on today? I am repeating an, an entry from a previous episode, and I feel like I can because Jenny's not going to be here to police the Pop of the Week, um, but it is... The Four Roses Small Batch Kentucky Bourbon. I recall that that had a fairly pleasing uh, uncorking sound. It did. Let's see if we can repeat the process. This is a different bottle because I think that was a while ago. Let's see. Oh, that was pretty good. Okay, I was going to say, did that come through? You sound like you're in a drug band. You don't know what I do with my Saturdays. You're very close to the Kentucky border, so. I am. Now, I uh, am not drinking alcohol, but I am still drinking a little bit of the bubbly, as I'm drinking bubbly sparkling water, blackberry flavor, and I just noticed that they spell bubbly 
with only two Bs instead of the grammatically spelling correct three Bs. So that's interesting. Isn't that how Buble spells it? Well, yeah, but he has uh, B-U-B-L-E. Uh. This is B-U-B-L-Y. I'm guessing that maybe they just couldn't trademark the word bubbly. Yeah, bad SEO, too. Yeah, yeah. Probably hard to trademark an adjective. But, yes, this is bubbly. And uh, this is going to be a bit of a different pop. It's going to be more of a crack. That sounded good. Sounded okay. solid. Oh, that's quite nice. So, Megan, from me in Columbus to you in Cincinnati, cheers to the Elite Beat Pop of the Week. <laughs> now, full disclosure, that was a bullshit cheers. I just... I just cling to champagne flutes together that are totally empty and will not have anything in them today. Yeah. Well, you know, it is like 2 p.m. on a Saturday, I say, as I pour just a bit of this bourbon. For, yeah. Because I'm I'm shooting here. Like, there's no kayfabe on this pop of the week for me. Mm-mm. This is a non-kayfabe podcast? Yes, this is a non-kayfabe pop- podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well let's let's do it uh, up chronologically like usual. We start with this week's being the elite. This is episode 178, and you can find this on YouTube.com. Just search for the being the elite channel. We start out with some uh, more Rick Knox comedy as the young bucks are walking down the hallway, and Nick says, "Throw this water bottle to see if he does his job." And they do, and Rick Knox, Rick Knox just doesn't care about enforcing the rules anymore. Apparently Jim Ross has so beaten him down through uh, jabs on commentary that the man can't even function. This is kind of, I felt like, an unfair rule to expect him to enforce. He's a ref. He's not, like, ref of the environment. I mean, don't litter, that's bad. But it's not really a ref's job to yell at them for littering. So the Young Bucks, they're, you know, they, they want water. They see Private Party, and they ask for a sip of what they're drinking, and Isaiah Cassidy says, This ain't water. Which, actually, I believe gives the title uh, to the episode in question. Yes, it does. Nick is appalled that uh, these men are drinking alcohol on the clock. On salary. (laughs) They've changed since going corporate. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Best friends are backstage, and... uh, they're Rick and Morty costumes, and Chuck is very excited about the costumes and getting the win on Dynamite. Trent is mad because he doesn't want to be Morty. Chuck tells Orange Cassidy they should have made him be Jerry, who I, I, I maybe that's another character from Rick and Morty. I don't know. But then Jerry Lynn, the coach, walks into the shot dressed like Orange Cassidy. Oh, see, I did not know who that was, but... Figured it was some sort of in-joke meant for those in the know. Jerry Lynn was before your time, but he was awesome. Okay. I'll trust you. Know you. How, you know how, um, like, people look back now, and, like, knowing what they know about ECW or knowing what they, you know, the perception of ECW was, and you see that, like, they had Dean Malenko and Eddie Guerrero and Chris Jericho for a while, and that seems weird? Yes. Like, Jerry Lynn is kind of, was the next generation of, that type of wrestler who it's like seems out of place in ECW. Oh, okay. Like Lance Storm. He and Lance Storm were contemporaries in ECW and did not really do a lot of the hardcore stuff. 
All right. I respect that. Yeah. Frank Kazarian is dressed as uh, Vincent Vega and is doing the, uh, the Royale with cheese uh, bit from Pulp Fiction. And basically this is starting to look like it's exactly what they did last year on the cruise ship, except this time Daniels is dressed as Mia Wallace, uh, which is Uma Thurman's character. And he's, they're a little annoyed that Scorpio Sky has not shown up because Daniel says, I even let him be Samuel L. Jackson this year, even though I'm way more qualified to do it. And then finally, they just like reenact the dance scene from uh, Jackrabbit Slims. And this is great because this is a movie that my wife will not watch, but she really likes the restaurant and dance scene. So a few months ago, we actually watched just that scene. So all of these references were very fresh in my mind. I love it that Jenny will only watch that part of the movie. <laughs> it's just so Jenny and uh, makes perfect sense. And this scene, I loved it. Like I was dying. It was great. Did you did you remember the, the last year's Halloween thing when you were watching it? Yes. How they both showed up dressed uh, as the boxer bruce willis's character and yeah. then there was a whole debate yeah uh scorpio sky interrupts them just wearing a black t-shirt and looks at them both and shouts damn uh in a very uh, ron simmons-esque uh moment and he walks away i think kazarian calls uh, attention to it and then they resume dancing yeah he's like you want to keep dancing yeah it's precious. I love it. Uh, the librarians are unfortunately backstage. Although this was this is probably one of my more favorite little skits with them. Peter Avalon's worried about his record and how John Moxley jumped him before a match and it shouldn't count against his record. And then Leva Bates says, maybe it's like golf. The lower your score, the better. Yes, which is a thing I have said. Many years now, so I feel like she definitely stole that from me. Probably. Ugh. Young Bucks and uh, Trent are together discussing the Lucha Brothers versus SCU match. And at one point, Trent says, is this real? Is this for the show? I love, yeah. When they, like, leave that. <laughs> when they leave stuff like that in, yes. Yeah, or, like, at the end of skits, you can see them break. It's perfect. Yeah. Then SEU is uh, celebrating after their tag team title win, and we get to see their nameplates put on the titles. I loved that little backstage kind of like real life touch. That was really cool because I don't think I've ever really thought about how that stuff happens. I kind of just assumed they, I don't know, they got their own version of it, a cheaper version of the real belt. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it's all the same belt. It's just like. And that's the same in WWE, except in WWE they have, like, custom side plates with, like, logos on them, too, for each wrestler, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, that looks really neat when they, because you can see it a bit more than the little nameplates that they put on these belts. But still, it looked like it was an honor for them, and they were very excited about it. So that was a nice touch. Yes. Uh, after the show, uh, after Dynamite last week, this is something that I was in attendance for, but I had already left the arena. I was out buying a Riho shirt uh, when this happened, and so I'm glad that they played it on Being the Elite. Uh, Kenny and Nick and Matt 
have a bunch of shirts to throw out the audience. And there is a big sign in the crowd. It's an inner circle sign, and it's designed as such. So there's a physical circle with a hole in it. And Nick says, he takes the shirt off and he says, if I throw this shirt through this circle sign, we will come back to Charleston for a pay-per-view. And he, he overshoots it. So right there on the spot, Matt hands him another shirt. <laughs> and he overshoots it again. And the fans are booing. But they, they keep saying one more time, because, you know, obviously, these people who went to Dynamite want to have a pay-per-view in their city. So Nick asks the fan to come a little bit closer. <laughs> yeah, like, if you want them so badly, <laughs> try to game this system. And so finally, Nick makes it, and the crowd, like, loses their minds, and uh, the episode ends. So uh, I think it is now canon that they have said that they are going to do a Charleston, West Virginia pay-per-view. Yeah, I think they have to stick with it. It's on tape. People will complain. Um, so good for Charleston and that guy who <laughs> had a creative sign, which led to a pay-per-view. Okay, that brings us to AEW Dark. This is our first Dark episode of the week. Uh, opened with So this is the show from Charleston. So we opened with Sean Spears versus Michael Nakazawa. And a lot of oil comedy in this one. Ugh, I I don't love the oil comedy. I like, so I don't love the oil comedy because I just, it kind of like uh, squigs me out a little bit. Yeah. But I do like slapstick people slipping on slippery stuff and falling down and taking pratfalls. So it's, it's hard for me to reconcile those two things. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, I'm not against that part of it, but watching him just spray oil all over himself and others and objects it's i i have intense like clean issues (laughs) so like it really bothers me on that level and i know that's a totally personal thing but i'm just like in your house yeah it's very clean and and free of um you know oil slicks unlike this ring so they have a back and forth match with a lot of slipping and falling aubrey edwards slipped uh tully blanchard slipped on the apron which was great I love I love how into it he seems to be. And uh, so this is for a uh, friend of the pod, Amanda. Jenny is not here today, but she did want to make sure that she gave you a balls update. And the balls update for this week concerns Michael Nakazawa taking off his underwear in the ring, putting it on his hand like Mick Foley applying the mandible claw. So he was about to put, I think his his goal was to put his underwear-covered hand in Sean Spears' mouth. But Spears booted him in the chest and hit him with a, a slingshot jackhammer for the, for the pinfall. The slingshot suplex uh, in a previous generation was the finishing move of Tully Blanchard. So it was kind of a, a little bit of an, uh, a way to honor his manager, I suppose. Aww, Sean Spears nice. with the win and avoided the the ball sweat to the mouth. Thank God that was gonna be. <laughs> I was gonna need to like take a minute if if that gross underwear made it into his mouth. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Next up, we had Mercedes Martinez and Big Swole versus Sadie Gibbs and Allie, and this was a very long match. Uh, in the building, this. 
they 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 had announced the way they announced to us what was coming on the dark tapings after the show was we're going to get a women's tag team match and they didn't list any competitors and then they said and then the Jurassic Express versus Joey Janela and Jimmy Havoc and so obviously people were more excited about that because Jurassic Express hello and so mm-hmm. I think I think people were just kind of sitting around waiting for this to be over and it went a really long time. Yeah, I felt bad for the very noticeable lack of sound in the building. I mean, it mm-hmm. wasn't like negative, like people booing or anything, but the energy was pretty low. It was tough because you have to remember this crowd had just watched that episode of Dynamite. And then like, so so the last thing we saw before this tag match was SCU versus Lucha Brothers for the tag team titles. Yeah, I definitely thought that was probably a factor. Um, but hearing that they presented it in the way they did with announcing this and then the Jungle Express, like, I can totally understand how people would be. It's like waiting for the opening band. You're just like, even if you're good, I don't, this isn't what I want to see. I want that that band, that good one I paid for. Um, which is no no shade on these two. They're both talented. It's just, it's a tough position to put them in. Yeah, totally. And it was, it was interesting. It was, it was one of those matches where the crowd was like very polite, but there was definite, you could feel disappointment later in the match as pens were being broken up. Yeah. I mean, also it's, it's a dark match for, I mean, for this show, but you, You'd think that if it's not the main event of Dark, you don't need to spend a ton of time on it, right? Yeah. My big, big takeaway uh, from this was there was a there was a sequence where everybody was out on the floor, and Sadie Gibbs hit the uh, space flying tiger drop, which is a kind of a double handspring into a into a like dive over the top rope, which looked really cool. She's very cool with her athletic stuff, and also um, she's very strong, so. She skirts the the like high flyer strong girl line very well. Yeah. Uh, finish saw uh, Sadie Gibbs hit a moonsault on Big Swole, and so the winners, uh, Allie and Sadie Gibbs. We had a video on Britt Baker, and I was a little bit torn on this video because she basically called out B Priestley for being unprofessional because she kicked her in the head, but then she cut this like total pro wrestling promo on her. And it's like, wait a minute. The point of wrestling is to hurt your opponent enough to pin. You know what I mean? It just seemed like she was, she was writing the, the shoot kayfabe line in a weird way during this promo. Yeah. Like I feel like you can definitely have for the same viewed promos that are shoot and promos that are kayfabe, but you don't mix the two because what world are we living in? Like we're all agreeing as a collective group watching this to suspend disbelief because we know that it's scripted. So if you go more hard on the real angle and they even showed the kick too. And it, it's like, okay, so you're saying B Priestley, the performer isn't professional. And they even say like in our industry and then to try and also make these really over dramatic claims about how she's going to beat her up and all that stuff. It just, yeah, it doesn't work. I also was kind of surprised how aggressive she got. Cause I thought Brit is supposed to be the, the face in this. And I don't 
not saying faces can't have like um, a more aggressive stance or that sort of thing, but she just seemed like she went real dark real quick. Yeah, but I mean, on the other hand, I did like that she used all of this medical school terminology to talk about what she was going to do to be priestly on Saturday. Yeah, that, hey, that's something she can bring in. uh, And that is definitely a Brit special, but um, it was just surprising. It was a side of her I don't think we've seen. And I don't know if somebody told her she needs to have more personality. And this is how the pendulum swung but it just came across as like way more intense than I've ever heard her speak. Yeah. She talked about um, the mandibular nerve and how she was going to like press down really hard on it. And she also said that she can dislodge Bree's mandible from her temporomandibular joints. And then she translated that as I can rip her fucking jaw off her face. Yeah. I like that part. (laughs) I know, I know, I I get your point about it being like, it's like a a kind of a big swing to darkness, but I really liked it. Um, Yeah, it was, it's like she uh, just is putting together all these pieces that don't necessarily flow in in a steady way. And that's fine. That's a good, that's a good, yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's like, I just. I wasn't sure about the tone and where she was going the whole time, and it was a roller coaster. So, uh, we got this week's undesirable to undeniable. This was Jimmy Havoc, and I liked him. I found myself this is this is the most I've like known about him. He went to film school apparently. <laughs> yeah, same here. I mean, as this uh, segment is meant to do, it, it humanized him and gave him a chance to not be just. Jimmy Havoc, the blood wrestler. Um, so I, I feel like I'm on his side now too. Yeah, he talked about he t- the film school thing came up because he talked about writing, you know, filming his own promo videos, which is something a lot of the top indie guys do. Um, and I think that's a reason why a lot of them are the top indie guys because you go the extra mile and and make videos to kind of get yourself noticed. And he said that he he used um, like kind of classic horror movies as inspiration. Yes, and he was wearing a House of a Thousand Corpses shirt as he, he was. did his segment. I was like, aw. <laughs> and that takes us to our main event, Jurassic Express, of Marco Stunt and Jungle Boy versus Jimmy Havoc and Joey Janela. I was very excited when the Jurassic Express came out and Marco Stunt put his Babysaurus mask on, but then he didn't wrestle in it. No, it seems like that would be hard for him. Well, they should get him one that like fits better. So, because I think, I think it'd be cool if he did wrestle as the baby Saurus. Yeah, but the one he has definitely is ill-fitting and was more for the gesture and less for practical use. I think. Right. This is kind of like. Do you remember when Io Shirai, before she turned heel, would wear the like the the tiger mask down to the ring and then take it off before she wrestled? Yeah. It was kind of like that. Did you take issue with that? Were you expecting it, that to stay on her the whole time? No, but I didn't think that that would be an improvement for her. Ah. Uh, I just thought it was kind of a weird thing. Yeah. Now she now she's uh, free of those chains as a heel. I liked this. There was a lot of biting, mostly between Jimmy Havoc and Jungle Boy, who you would probably expect to be the two biters of the group. <laughs> 
Yeah. Jimmy Havoc is a hardcore wrestler and Jungle Boy is a savage from the jungle. Sure. I I think of biting more uh, something kindergartners do, but yeah, you're right. Well, maybe Marco should have been doing it too. (laughs) I just really liked when Jimmy Havoc was biting Jungle Boy and then he tagged in Joey Janela and like extended Jungle Boy's arm to offer him the opportunity to bite where where he had left off and Joey Janela's face was just like what no I'm not doing that and he looked confused for a minute it was a it was good handoff so this was uh yeah this was a lot of a lot of uh spots and just you know fun stuff I I really enjoyed this match it kind of it kind of got to a point where uh Jimmy Havoc Jimmy Havoc left the ring grabbed his staple gun and Joey Janela tagged in and was I guess trying to like stop him from using it yeah, you didn't want to get disqualified, I think. Okay, was that it? Okay, so, okay, that makes sense. Because I was, I was thinking, like, is he, is this like a face turn for Joey Janela? Was Joey Janela heel at this point anyway? I don't know. But yeah, you're right. It makes sense the the not getting disqualified thing. So, Havoc, I guess Havoc didn't understand that either because he handed Joey Janela. I guess he read the situation as Joey Janela wanted to do the staple. <laughs> Yeah, like he he was like, oh, here you take it then, um, and was very willing to share. for For someone who's a biter, he's also a good sharer. So yeah, so um, you're right. It is like but Joey. Yeah, you're right. It looked like Jimmy Havoc was trying to share, but Joey Janela definitely just didn't want to lose the match due to disqualification. And I believe the announcers called that out too. Well, Joey. Uh took this opportunity to staple Jimmy Havoc's forehead. And this caused Havoc to go outside the ring and blade himself. <laughs> and uh, then Janela had a, a sequence with uh, the, the Jurassic Express and ended up getting a package pile driver from the ropes onto Marco's stunt and pinned him. So yes. Havoc and Janela win, but I guess they didn't seem like Havoc didn't seem that upset. Like I think he was happy to get the win, but he didn't it, he didn't attack Joey Janela afterwards or anything. No, I think it was just a momentary disagreement about what they were gonna do. And Jimmy Havoc, he's used to getting stapled in the head. Sometimes he does it to himself. He probably has learned to move on quickly from that sort of conflict. Afterwards, uh, we see Tully Blanchard confronting Joey Janela backstage. And Tully is just a distraction as Sean Spears attacks him from behind. And Spears was using something, some kind of tool, to pry Joey's mouth open. And then they take his cigarette and jam it into his mouth. And then Tully makes sure the camera is not on the shot. And we hear Joey Janela screaming. Yeah, Sean Spears, you're just a mean boy. And, of course, uh, it has been announced uh, since that these two will have a match tonight on Full Gear. Yes. All of this because Joey Janela decided to put his cigarette out in Tully Blanchard's Coke. That's right. This is a lesson in escalation. Don't do not do that. Don't mess around. Okay. So that is AEW Dark. You can find that on YouTube on the All Elite Wrestling channel. Well, let's talk about AEW Dynamite from the Bojangles Coliseum in Charlotte, North Carolina. I love that. (laughs) The Bojangles Coliseum. Makes me think of Brad Shoemaker. Yes. It also just makes me think of um, 
chicken because that's what it is. That's true. So let's get into Dynamite. We open with Pac versus Trent with uh, Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy trailing behind him for support. Pac wins. He gets the brutalizer and Trent passes out. He doesn't tap out, but he passes out. And after the match, Pac gets on the mic and calls out Hangman. And I was a big fan of when he said, I heard what you said and I heard your naughty swear word because I thought it was funny and it sounded really just oddly charming in his Geordie accent. But yeah, Pac's mad about everything as per usual and he's coming for Hangman. Yeah, uh, I thought this was great. I thought this was a wonderful showcase for Trent. And I, I also think that I don't know exactly what happened with the finish, but Pac hit the hit the black arrow, and Trent didn't get his shoulder up, didn't kick out, but Brace Rimsberg held up the count anyway, and so I I I assume that that, that, that he was supposed to kick out, and then they went to then they would go into the brutalizer, but yeah, it was just it was very weird at the finish there. Do you think that maybe something happened, and Trent was out of it because he didn't look super aware i mean he didn't move at all when the count was happening and that's why it was so jarringly obviously like wrong um and then when they got him in the hold bryce kept patting his head i don't know could it have been the brain buster on the floor that happened like right before maybe yeah that's probably possible because that looked dangerous too um and then Pac kind of put him back in the ring as he would do but um Trent didn't look like he was moving to break the pin in any way. And it was really surprising because it usually it's just a matter of them too late or like reaching for a foot or something and not quite hitting the rope. But he just laid there. Yes, it was it was odd. This match featured a lot of barricade action. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> it was like they were trying to it's like they're it's like their goal was to make sure that the Bojangles Coliseum had to replace all of their barricades after this event. Uh, they're whipping each other into them very hard. We got some great uh, pack Orange Cassidy interaction, first on the outside of the ring, and uh, later in a in a kind of an awkward spot. I think they might have mistimed the referee distraction because Bryce Rimsberg saw Orange get into the ring, and then Chuck distracted Bryce Rimsberg as Orange was throwing his uh, incredible kicks, and you know, as usual, Pac totally no sold him and was just kind of like, what the hell is this? And as Orange was revving up for his big super kick, Pac kicked him right in the face. Yep. Poor Orange. But that was yeah. enough to get Trent fired up for a little bit. Yeah, he did. A, he made a big, like, clothesline riffic comeback. Yeah. Gotta defend your friends. Yeah. Anyway, I thought this was an awesome opener. And uh, I was I was really happy with uh, everything about it, really. Except, like, except, like the weird finish. Yeah, I was glad that Trent got as much offense as he did because I was a little worried that this had the potential to be a big bad just destroying what is um, a talented but heavily comedic team. So I'm I'm glad it was more balanced than what I was expecting it to be. It was it was actually more of a showcase for for Trent than I thought it would be. Yeah, it lasted. I don't think they had commercials because it was the first one, but it lasted a while. So yeah, it was uh, 11 minutes, 48 seconds. I do love that they, the way they structure their shows, 
you always you see it seems like you always get that first big match without a commercial break. Yeah, I was worried that that was just something they did for the first week or two to get to get stuff going, but it seems like it stuck around and I'm happy for it. It's a nice nice way to open the show and get you involved. Yeah, I don't like not to dunk on NXT because I really like NXT, but I I think that they I think AEW is handling the pace of their show as far as commercial breaks are concerned in a in a much better way. Yeah, I do wish they would stop doing the picture in picture. Yeah, I mean this this so this week uh, this was the first week that I watched the show on a delay, and uh, I so I just I just fast forwarded through the through the picture in pictures. <laughs> Oh, I do too. So I guess maybe my complaint is um, meaningless, but I do always wonder if something's going to happen in the picture in picture. Because sometimes they start to show people going backstage and I'll I'll still fast forward because I'm just like, I don't have time for these commercials. But I hope they never do anything that's like kind of important, you know, I, like. So my thinking is the picture in picture is is more to keep people who are watching live from switching away than to keep DVR viewers watching. So I don't think they'll ever like put anything that could ever happen that's important during that. I'm sure that they would show a replay of once they came back from commercial break. You're probably right. It's it's a marginal worry for me. It's just something that like, why not just do traditional commercials? But your point is fair. If you're watching it live, I guess it does encourage you to stick around because you're still getting something. So yeah. I'm just not used to the world of live TV anymore. It's been too long. You're also spoiled by the way ESPN covers Formula One because in the NBC years, they would do the picture in picture commercials just like right in the, you know, like for, you know, a lap basically. It was just, you would see, you would, it would be in the lower third. And if you wanted to watch it, you could, but they'd be showing commercials. Yeah. See, that would annoy me more because that is a legit live sport that, um, not that, that sounds bad, but that is a sport that is not scripted, so it's very possible that one lap could get very exciting during yeah. a commercial. <laughs> like, exactly, you know? yeah. Well, moving on from that match, we go to an announcement, Cody's big announcement. Perhaps the one he was trying to make back when Jericho interrupted him with air horns a few weeks back. Um, Cody essentially announces that if he doesn't defeat Chris Jericho at full gear, he will never again challenge for the AEW World Championship. And he cites his reason being that there are champions from the past who were both wrestlers and also had management roles and got heavily criticized for it. And he sees himself in them. So this is his way of making a split where if he's already committed to this match and he wants that championship, but if he doesn't get it, he's going to draw a line right there. He even cited his own father as one of, as an example of such. Yes. Yes, he did. Hits close to home. So he talked about all kinds of things in this promo. He talked about uh, Jericho taking shots at him for being an entitled Silver Spoon millennial. And he pointed out that Jericho grew up in the exact same upper middle class life that he did because his father was a famous NHL player. And uh, I believe he called him a stupid dick. 
He said, it's almost like we shared the exact same silver spoon, you stupid dick. <laughs> I loved it so much. He made fun of the uh, the current Amazon selling price of a lion's tail. <laughs> he got cracked up with real emotion, talking about his father and talking about, you know, what he was going to do on Saturday and, and how much this means to him. And this, this was like, I think, the, this is the classic example of the kind of go-home show money promo that you don't get anywhere else nowadays. And by anywhere else, I basically mean WWE because of the way that, because of the way that that show is scripted, you don't get people cutting promos like this. And this was one of the best babyface promos I've ever heard. It was really good. And he is emotional. Like the way he got emotional felt genuine and not performative. And he recovered pretty quickly, but it just added a layer of realism and Cody's been so good. Like this whole through line of his for this has been so good. And something that happens a little later in the show uh, really emphasizes just like the juxtaposition of Cody's taking this super seriously and Jericho taking the winning seriously, but not so much the messaging around it. And I really, I like their dynamic. I think this is going to be a really good match on the pay-per-view. Yeah, totally. I, I I don't know the last time I was this excited for a a match. You know, I I, I get I get up for like pay per views a lot. You know, I get excited about having people over and and you know like what are we gonna what are we gonna eat <laughs> and uh, that kind of stuff and <laughs> just the camaraderie of it. But I think that tonight I I this is I can't remember the last time I was looking more forward to a individual match. Yeah, usually it's just. Collectively, you hope the show does well, but this is this is a big one. I, I hope they pull it off, and I kind of want the story arc to keep going. I'm curious how they're going to do this um, if Cody does lose. Do you, did you think that this changes anything as far as programming? I don't know. I mean, I, you know, you could do what seems to be kind of the obvious thing, and just Cody just gets the big babyface win here even though it seems early and Jericho's doing such a great job as champion, or you could kind of do the thing where he loses. And actually I think, I think it's very viable for him to lose. And you do the storyline where, so, you know, it's Cody, so he's going to keep wrestling and he's going to keep being pushed. So if you want to have an excuse for him to still be high on the card and win most of his matches and not get a title shot, you've, you've built it in. And then maybe they have an idea for like, you know, a year down the line for, you know, for that clause to be revoked or overturned somehow. Yeah, because I agree. It seems too early to turn the title over at this point. And Jericho is doing so well with it and is being so entertaining. And not to say that the inner circle would become any less entertaining, but I feel like this is a driving factor and a big part of his heal message is that he has this title. So I think it's too early to switch it, but I also just had the thought that like, this is clearly a flat out lie because of course Cody in his career here at AEW is going to have to cross paths with the the title. It's just, it's ludicrous to think that he's taking himself out of it a couple months in 
to the promotion being a thing. Yeah, and honestly, if if not for the inner circle, if there if there was no inner circle, I I think probably Cody just wins here. But I think that I think you're right. I think a big part of establishing them as like that top heel group is is Jericho as the champion needs his goons around to protect him, and I think it it gives them more purpose when he's the champion. Yeah, and if he were to lose and then immediately try to get the title back, I feel like that would take some impact away from it as far as like what they have built up to. Yes, yeah, I think it needs to be like like I wouldn't I would not be mad if he kept the title. We don't know when the four I think we'll probably find out tonight when the fourth pay-per-view is going to be, but like I wouldn't mind if his title reign extended to double or nothing next next May. At least, yeah. as far as as far as how it's going now. Yeah, I can watch these these inner circle antics go on for a very long time at this point. Yeah, um, and, think, and think how big a star he's gonna like by association, like a guy like Sammy Guevara is gonna be by then if 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 this keeps going. Oh yeah, I think you're already seeing some consequences of that, and he's definitely got room to keep growing, but already. I think he's benefiting a lot just from being part of that group. Yeah. Bottom line, I loved this promo. This like this, I got so jazzed up for this while I was watching it. It excited me so much. Yeah, Cody is excellent. I think he's one of my faves at this point. He's just so easy to root for. Mhm. Definitely. So moving on from that very serious promo, we go into a match. That is the Dark Order facing Private Party. So we're lightening the mood a little. Um, Private Party gets the win. Mark Quinn gets to pin Stu Grayson after the, they do the gin and juice. So the winner of this match gets to join into a three-way tag team match with SEU and the Lucha Brothers at Full Gear. And they also get these snazzy little third place uh, bronze medals, apparently. I, I thought those were yeah. so funny. Yeah, I was like, oh, I didn't realize. Because, uh, in essence, the winner of this match is third place in the AEW Tag Team Championship tournament that had ended. So they get bronze medals. So that's fun. I, that is fun. I loved how um, SCU was on commentary for the English commentary team. And they just kind of stood there and didn't say much. Mm-hmm. And it, it found I found myself wishing that I could hear the Spanish commentary team who had the Lucha Brothers over there. And Dasha is, you know, former WWE robot is is now <laughs> part of the commentary team for the Spanish side. Well, yeah, and part of AEW Dark. That's right. She's got like she's got uh, Tony there just threatening to perv on her at any moment. <laughs> oh, how dare you? He's been such a. <laughs> He's like the fun, I don't know, he's still doing his his genuine reactions and being just so excited about wrestling, and he just, he's being cute. Don't make him a bad person. I think he's a little bit happier that Dasha's there. I know I am. Okay. He, I, I'm going to attribute it to, now he has someone to talk to instead of just <laughs> standing in front of Cameron and a green screen being like, here's the match. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It looked like an exciting table. They looked like they were they were having a little more interaction and fun. Uh, I thought it was weird that the American announced team didn't pull up two chairs for Scorpio and Frankie. Like they just awkwardly 
had the headgear on and stood right next to the table. It was very weird. Yeah. Like, you have chairs, right? There is a backstage. There has to be chairs, yeah. They only sold like 4,000 tickets to the show. They're chairs. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> a thing I noticed is Evil Uno has clearly been listening and heard your criticism, you and Jenny, the loudest, of uh, how he should probably put on a shirt. And he, he looked did. great. He looked thinner with the shirt on. Yeah, that's how, that's what that does. Oh. <laughs> he, I, I mean, thought, maybe I Spanx looked, are involved. I, I, or, you know, it's just like it's it's black and black is slimming. That's true. It was like black and purple. I liked it. Yeah, and it was like faux leather, so it matched his his whole deal. I don't think it was like a one piece, but it, it looked kind of like it went together. So he looked a lot better. Um it was it was definitely a much improved look for him. I think this is I think this is the way to go. So yeah. Yeah, and as a team, I mean, again, I think we've all acknowledged that the Dark Order, they both know how to wrestle. It's just a weird gimmick they've been saddled with. But I think I'm starting to let go of that. Like, it's fine. I think I'm done with the creepers. Yeah, they are mainly just distracting. I like that they haven't gotten them involved in the matches at all, really. Like, at yeah, least I don't think they've interfered the once, side. have they? No, they're just there to allow Evil Uno to sit on them to watch things happen or to, like... They did, like, kind of a weird group celebration, I guess. Like, after Stu Grayson did a move, he he was on outside and they were all gathered around and they all, like, raised their hands. Yeah. But, yeah, they're essentially just there as, like something to look at and to be props for the the two dark order men um i don't remember them ever actually getting involved in a match i was really happy private party won because i can't i just can imagine what these six men are going to come up with to do in a three-way match at a pay-per-view it's going to be bananas and i am so excited yeah so this match ended and then something amazing happened (laughs) sure did (laughs) Um, I, you had texted me because you watched before I do and said that you had just seen the greatest video of your life. I don't even think you limited it to wrestling. (laughs) And I thought, seems like he's overselling something. (laughs) But you weren't. No. (laughs) You were not overselling in any way. This, uh, this video that played after the match was a... Complete mockery by the inner circle of the video Cody had put out many weeks ago showing how he's distracted because he is both corporate and a wrestler. And Brandy, the opening was Brandy walking into their kitchen and Cody's sitting there and he looks kind of far away and she's reading off something from a clipboard, essentially like business stuff. And so... (laughs) In the inner circle video, Chris Jericho is sitting at a table and Sammy walks up and he's got two bottles of champagne in his hand. And he's like, hey, Chris, I just wanted to talk to you about the bubbly options for tonight. And then his he starts talking about them and his voice slowly fades out. And I, it hit me and I'm just like, oh, my God, it's happening. <laughs> Sammy is Brandy and Chris Jericho is going to really just mock this entire thing. And that's what he did. And it was so great. Um, so Chris Jericho gets up, he kisses Sammy on the forehead and walks away. 
and then the rest of the video happens and it's essentially like like I think they showed Cody in a salt bath so they show Chris Jericho in a bathtub and he's drinking champagne out of the bottle um they showed Cody training and they also showed Chris Jericho training which wasn't so mocking but I think he was doing a lot more intense training than you'd believe he would actually need to do or want to do to prepare. I think he legitimately does do like MMA training just because he likes, he likes it. Yeah, probably in real life, but I'm thinking like character wise, he seemed, his character seems like the type of guy who would just show up and be like, I'm good. Like, I guess so. Although his finisher now is that like, like, you know, is an MMA spinning elbow. So true. Um, they also imitated the talking head segments, oh. <laughs> which was like chef's kiss. Magnificent. Um, Sammy was again doing the, the brandy stuff. And they also had gotten in Soul Train Jones. Who is uh, Virgil from the WWF. Okay. And I Vincent from WCW. <laughs> did not realize that, but that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So they got him and then... They got some random old woman who her like subtitle was Chris's aunt's friend from work. <laughs> yes. Her name <laughs> was it, uh, uh, something Bobsky. Yeah. And at one point she said something about like, well, if I know Chris, he'll beat the shit out of Cody. And she also was, said she also said that she knew from she knew from the time he was a little boy that he would be the AEW world champion. <laughs> so good so good uh they also had jake hager like just standing there looking menacing he didn't say anything because i guess he doesn't talk that's his I, deal i kind of like that like they cut they cut to him like three times and he never said a word yeah and they lingered it was like <laughs> okay um sammy also said at 48 chris jericho is the youngest aew champion ever this when he said that it made me so happy that they didn't quiet the crowd in the mix because the crowd lost their minds at that line. Yeah, it was, it was really good. I also um, liked it in the in the opening with the champagne. I remember I just I heard Sammy talking. I feel like we should focus on this because we're a we're a, a champagne forward podcast. But one he he was going over the options and before his voice uh, totally faded out into the background, he said something about one of them one of them is low carb. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Oh, they're they're magical. Um well, to continue with the champagne forwardness, at the end Jericho was talking about, you know, how Cody said he had it hard cuz he's distracted by being back office and a wrestler. He said, "Trying to find the best place to go for bubbly is always a hard thing, but it's a responsibility I have to face because I am the champion." <laughs> and I just thought Jenny probably sympathizes very hard with that sentiment. I'm so sad that she has not she has not watched this video at this point in time. Oh, she's gonna freak out when she hears that. Yeah. Overall, just an amazing response. Yeah, I I kind of it, like you said earlier. This was it was the the Cody promo in the ring, and then this Jericho video. It was it was a real juxtaposition of your number one heel and your number one baby face, and they were both like equally incredible in totally different ways. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes when you do this, this way you run the risk of undermining 
the feeling and emotion that you elicited from the baby face promo because it's almost like you're taking this too seriously like that's stupid but I didn't get the feeling for this for these two I think it's completely believable that Jericho both takes this match very seriously but also this is how he lashes out at his opponent yeah hey and uh here as we are mid dynamite review, we are joined by Jenny, who has gotten up from her sick bed <laughs> and is uh, ready to uh, ready to sit in with us for the rest of the show. Hello, all. Yeah. So, uh, Megan, you wanna continue uh, after the uh, Jericho video? Yeah, you came at the perfect time. We've got the women's match with Jamie Hayter and Emmy Sakura facing Shanna and Riho. Oh. Shannon and Hater back from uh the what you know they they were they were in for the last couple of weeks and now they're back so yeah this women's this women's division is starting to flush out yeah it really is that like if they stick with people and they keep consistently showing them I think I think it's good I'm starting to actually care about them now mm-hmm. some of them not all of them so has Hater been signed. I'm not sure. I know Shanna has. I don't. I don't. I honestly don't know about uh, Hater. I don't think I've seen that announcement. It sounded like she might. I thought they mentioned she wrestled somewhere else too, or maybe I'm just making that up. But she wrestles for Stardom. She's B Priestley's regular tag team partner in Stardom. Okay, so it, do they have like contracts where they let them consistently go do other promotions, or do you think this was like a special thing? No, they they definitely do because you know they they like bees in today and uh, and Riho still wrestles for Stardom and you know. Yeah, but isn't B like and Riho obviously is with AEW, like contractually, but is isn't B also is that her? I think I just assumed that was her primary gig now. It is because she you know she and uh, Will Osprey live in Japan now, so. Okay. Okay. Well, um. This new Jamie Hayter, I don't know if she helped her team win, but she and Emmy Emmy Sakura got the, the win over Rio and Shanna, and specifically, Emmy Sakura got to pin her protege Rio. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. She pinned her. They did a really fast sequence at the end where they were reversing like uh, pinfall attempts, and she got her with like a cool cradle. Oh wow. Yeah. I always really enjoy seeing Emmy and Riho in the in the ring. They have such good chemistry because they were really good together. I'm excited for their match tonight. Great. Yeah, I thought and Megan, I thought that um, Shanna and Hater had really good chemistry together too. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely like two that I'm not upset to see on screen, and it seemed like they complemented each other well. When you had like Emmy and Riho. They have that familiarity so they can go really fast. Like those two, I feel like they were more like hard hitting, um, just brawling when they got in. So it was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have I don't have like a lot of uh, notes about this match, but I, I did really enjoy it. I thought it was a fun tag and and it, a good direct setup for uh, for tonight's uh, title match. Yeah, the, the announcers seemed like they were they were like, well, you know. What does this mean for Riho? But I think Riho's going to hang on to that title for a bit longer. I do, too. I don't think they'll take it off of Riho right away. Definitely she'll win. Um, 
definitely she'll win tonight. And I actually don't think any of the titles are going to change hands tonight because they're all just so new. Mm. Yeah, I would, I would, I think, I think my predictions are still all three titles are going to stay, but. Does that make it a less interesting pay-per-view if we know or we assume that none of the titles are going to change hands because they're, they're just so recent? Not to me. I'm still, I mean, I'm very intrigued by Cody and Jericho, especially because of the stakes that have been attached to it now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm Maybe. still just as excited. Do you think that's why they had Cody say? Have Have you guys already talked about that? How Cody said that he'll never um, challenge for the title again if he doesn't win tonight. Yeah. Do you think that's probably why they had him say that? I don't know, because they. I mean, this was the announcement he was trying to make three weeks ago. When was it? I think so. Yeah. Okay. This. I mean, I think I, I believe this company plans long term for. For you know, I think they have long term plans for everything. I definitely think they have something up their sleeve for Cody to be able to get the title down the line because I don't think he's getting it tonight. Me too. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how their fan base reacts to them going back on a major stipulation. Yeah. It will. Or he'll just win the title tonight. I don't think he will. I don't either, but he could. Following that, we have a video package with Brandy Rhodes that um, has her looking like a goth queen sitting in a red <laughs> velvet chair with a glass of red wine. And she's got a few things to say. Um, she's tired of being dismissed or not having her accomplishments recognized because she always gets them attributed to being Cody's wife or like having somebody else push her forward. Um, she said she doesn't run the women's division and she never has. And basically that she and awesome Kong are teaming up and they're going to show who the real bullies are, which was confusing a little to I don't know if I didn't really understand the messaging, but it almost seemed like, She's taking the position that she be- has been bullied, and so now she's got Awesome Kong, and they're going to stand up to it. But I don't, I don't know that they have the history to really back up that claim. So, what did what did you think, Andy? Because Jenny, I don't think you saw this. It sounds like I saw I saw some stuff on Instagram, and I'm just so confused. How could what is she being bullied by, and why does she need to bully back? I just thought it was she's a heel and she's saying heel lines and claiming to be a victim. I was just glad that there was no blood magic this week. <laughs> no, no but there that... were flashes of Awesome Kong's face as she was talking. It was very like horror movie esque, where it's like just a blink and then. You don't think that they would do like an incredible Hulk thing where she turns into Awesome Kong when she's like angry, right? <laughs> Yeah, oh. I think it's pretty clear that Awesome Kong is her hench person. Okay, I hope so. Wow, that would be crazy. The lights go out and then Brandy becomes Awesome Kong. Yeah. Huh. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> so we're going to pivot away from that video, that somewhat confusing video to me, uh, and we're going to go into something a little more straightforward. 
little Brandon Cutler gets to face the chairman, Sean Spears, and Sean Spears gets the win. Another another loss for Brandon, unfortunately. And then after the match, Tully Blanchard slides his chair into the ring so that Sean Spears can continue to beat Brandon Cutler up. But Joey Janela runs out to make the save and also to antagonize Sean Spears. Um, but he and Tully are going up the ramp. They're not they're not getting into a fight right here. But Joey Janela, he's pretty mad about what happened on Dark. So. I mean, I would be. Yeah, I. He's used to hurting himself, but when others do it, it's bad. <laughs> yeah, so I felt bad for Brandon Cutler. He is, I think, zero wins at this point. Uh, yeah, I don't know that I expect that to change anytime soon. <laughs> oh, so he's just gonna be the squash guy, huh? I think you know. I mean, I mean, maybe they could do a, a storyline where he like. I, th- I think if he gets a big win, it's going to have to be, like, a storyline point. Yeah, I could see that. Does he have enough of a fan base, like, for in a few months for him to get a push to have a storyline like that? Maybe. Yeah, we could see. I mean, you know, it was just it was just a squash win for Sean Spears. Not much more to say about it. Yeah. You, you need to have those here and there. Yeah, that's fair. I guess it's kind of just... The difference between this and like WWE is they have less people to use for this purpose, so it it feels a little more piled on than like spreading it out against a bunch of jobbers on your roster that never get TV time. Mm-hmm. That that's a really good point, Megan. Thanks. <laughs> well, I hope I hope Brandon can get a better image sometime in the future, but I do understand what you were saying about why it's him taking the hit. So (sighs) moving on from there, we get a video package for the John Moxley and Kenny Omega full gear match that's coming up. Um, Kenny gets to respond to Moxley's segment from last week where he was pacing around the ring, complaining about the fact that it's a dark match so that it doesn't, count because it's unsanctioned and i think kenny just opens with a great line he says don't be upset this is a hardcore match what were you gonna do john chain wrestle i just just thought that was snarky and wonderful that was pretty good yeah um kenny says his best work is when he has to work for something he does his best work moxie says he does his best work when he's at his worst so they are you know, complimenting each other there. And we see a lot of clips of Moxley's past experiences in other promotions where he does super crazy hardcore matches and he's all bloody and gross, kind of proving that he's used to this and he's a veteran of the style. And it it was kind of worrying that, like, Kenny doesn't do those matches. So there is no video clips of him also having that experience so I'm kind of just wondering, you know, why he's so confident in his abilities for this match. I really don't want to see Kenny bloody. And it seems like he's almost prodding Moxley to be bloody. Uh. Yeah, it was interesting to see uh, CZW footage on TNT. Yeah, heavily edited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like this, though. I mean, I, I do still think it's kind of weird that 
Kenny hasn't gotten to cut like one live promo for this match, but his work in the video packages has been good. Yeah, he. Do, I mean, I guess he does get the live instances of pulling out that stupid broom with barbed <laughs> yeah, wire. He sure does. <laughs> we'll get Spo- to it. But. Spoiler for a couple uh, minutes from now. Yeah, but that that seems to be as far as he gets live. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It's. I hope they don't hurt each other. I hope not too. I don't want to see Kenny bloody. Well, apparently this is going to be the last thing on the show tonight. So. It More has so to be. than the title. Yeah, because it's it's unsanctioned lights out. So the implication being. Okay, we're turning the lights on. Show's over. Everybody can leave the building now. But if you stay, it's on you. Yeah. But we'll have a ref <laughs> in the ring. And that's what we they did at Fighter Fest with him and with Moxley and Janela's match, if you remember. Yeah. I just kind of like that mentality of like, all right, we're saying we're, this thing's done. We're now done. absolved of anything. <laughs> Yeah, all the people in charge are leaving the building. What you, (laughs) giant crowd, and these two men in the ring do, out of our hands. It's very nice of referee Paul Turner to volunteer his own time to stay here and and officiate this. (laughs) Like, it's it's just such crap that it's unsanctioned when you have one of your employee refs refing it. Mm -hmm. I hope he gets hazard pay. (laughs) I hope he has gloves. Yeah, I did. I don't think they do gloves in AEW, or at I least haven't not seen as, them yet. Yeah, not as much as WWE does. They have a budget. They can't afford gloves. <laughs> yeah, rubber gloves really gonna put you over they the should, edge. They should just like go to the Jaguars facility and take like some football like wide receiver gloves and <laughs> use those. Probably have like <laughs> Jaguars logos and patterns on them. Oh, that would be amazing. Hold on, let me get out my catching gloves here. Yeah. I mean, Britt Baker can just bring some from her dentist office. That's true. She's got a business to run. That You, you can't be stealing office supplies. <laughs> Maybe if she was more of a team player, she wouldn't just be on the buy-in. Ooh, called out, Britt. Called out. Man. Careful, oh. she's going to have to come over there and rip your fucking jaw off. Did you guys already talk about Brett's promo? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. You want to say anything about it? I, like, this is the first time I really liked Brett. I was impressed. She did a good job. She had energy. She had charisma. She used medical terms. Mm-hmm. She said the F word. Yeah. She was all hyped up. I, I liked it. I like that. I want some more of that. <laughs> no, <I laughs> that was just... a real Matt Jackson moment there. <laughs> Do you want to say anything about while while we're on the subject? I, I mentioned Michael Nakazawa and his underwear, but is there anything you wanted to say as the official ball arbiter of the podcast? Uh, just that, like, there was one less layer between the balls and the rope for Michael Nakazawa. Amanda bringing you all the latest ball drama. And he he clearly had intent to put his ball sweat into Sean Spears' mouth. He totally did. And yeah. guys, like, that's not sanitary. That's yeah. not okay. Now, luckily, it didn't happen. Like, Mega should have come out with some sexual harassment training classes for everyone mm-hmm. after that moment. 
it's not okay to put your ball sweat in other men's faces or women's faces yeah. or anyone's faces. Keep no. your ball I sweat mean, to yourself. Jenny, here, you here. don't know what's going to be on the next BTE. We could get a mega segment with them all sitting in a little room and her pointing out why this is not something you should do to your coworkers. Oh my goodness, I hope so. So, Jenny, speaking about balls, this <laughs> last, <laughs> this main event, I feel like you've got to have some hot uh, news for Amanda on this one because the main event with Hangman Page and Kenny Omega facing Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara involved a very timely ball shot that led to Chris Jericho getting the pin on Adam Page. Yes, it did. <laughs> Hack kicked Hangman. And the bollocks, as he would say. And this led to Jericho getting the old Judas effect. Oh, no. Yeah. So no balls on ropes there, but definitely boots to balls. Boots to balls. Yeah, but Pac's always running around on the the top turnbuckle, so, like, it transfers, I think. Oh, you're totally right. I liked this match. I thought it was, you know, a fun tag team match, but... It really was just a prelude for the absolutely insane angle that they did afterwards. Truly. Before we get to that, though, Jenny, I have to shout you out. You called out Sammy last week for doing Prince Pretty's entrance. And, you know, I think we kind of brushed it off a little bit because it wasn't on the big screen. But this week, he full on just did the entrance gimmick. Oh, it was on the big screen this week? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So it is true that, like, it seems very Tyler Breeze-esque what he's doing. But I will give him credit in that he is incorporating that footage into his vlogs now. Why does he get credit for that? Because, I mean, that's not something that Tyler ever did with it. It was just, like, it was in there in the moment. And at least Sammy's, like, getting, you know, he's using every part of the uh, cell phone buffalo. <laughs> he's still using someone else's gimmick, though. Uh, it's been a long time. I also think that you could argue that if he's going to do it anyway for his vlog, then they're using maybe his thing more. Like they're just connecting into that. So also, he's not he's not doing it in a like I need to I literally need to look at myself every step of the way <laughs> as I'm walking down this ramp and getting this ring and posing and waiting for my opponent. He's doing it in a. I'm taking footage for my vlog. Look at where we are. Look at what's going on. Look at this asshole opponent here behind me. I think it's, I think he likes seeing himself. Okay. I mean, he's a vlogger to some extent. You have to like seeing yourself. Otherwise it's just kind of masochistic, isn't it? Yeah. And I called last week that I'm sure he was putting it on his vlog. Yeah. But this time it also made it into the arena. This time just you guys noticed it as well as I. Jake Hager is very strong. Oh, yes. I have a note here that he caught Sammy and didn't let him hit the ground. Yes. Sammy got thrown out of the ring and Jake caught him and like he he like kind of stumbled, but he like he hooked him up and uh, set him down gently. It was very impressive. Hmm. Yeah. I wish I liked him, but I don't. Yeah. He's, he's, I mean, he's, he's performed very well in his role thus far. I, I will say that in a professional manner. Yeah, I think it helps that he has to keep his mouth shut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as you alluded to, um, unless there's anything else that happened in the match you want to cover, 
after no, the pretty, match. It was pretty standard. It was, I mean, it was it was like a good professional tag team match. And we got we they they kind they kind of teased us with a little bit of Page versus I'm sorry uh, they kind of teased us with a little bit of Kenny versus Jericho but didn't deliver too much. Yeah. So it seems I, that that made me think like well that's something they're going to go back to at at some point. Yeah, after Kenny takes care of his other business. And Jericho takes care of his business. True. Everything could change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we talk about uh, full gear uh, tomorrow, this will you know it'll be interesting <laughs> to see where we ended up. Yeah. So after the match, um, the real action began, <laughs> and there's a lot. So definitely jump in when I miss things because I will. Okay. <laughs> or if you want to talk about any of these things before we move on to the other ones, do that too. But like this. Post-match action was chaotic. Um, the inner circle, they got the win. And then poor Adam Page was still laying there. So naturally they have to continue to beat him up. Which leads to Cody running out to chase them away and help his friend. And Hager and Jericho start to kind of back up the ramp. Um, so shit hasn't really hit the fan just yet. But as they're walking backwards up the ramp yelling at Cody and taunting him. MJF pops up behind them and he chair shots Hager like in the back, knocking him out. And then he nudges Jericho in the stomach with the chair, as you do when you're not really trying to get somebody. It took oh. Chris a long time to notice this, that something had happened to Jake Hager, who was standing right next to him. He's just so focused on his own stuff. I don't know if you saw the video, Andy, but I see the video. <laughs> if he can't pay attention when Sammy's talking about bubbly options, how's yeah. he going to notice when Hager just goes down next to him? That's oh, true. That's so awesome. And in Jericho's defense, he was screaming at Cody, who was still in the ring. So he, he had a lot going on. Um, but MJF delivers him to the ring so that Cody can then grab him and crossroads him. And Cody takes a moment, picks up the belt, and holds it above his head, perhaps anticipating the outcome of tonight's match. We don't know. Mm-hmm. And then at that moment, John Moxley enters the arena. He comes through the crowd. He's got his barbed wire bat all ready to go. He gets in the ring, and Kenny, by that time, has gotten back into the ring, and they kind of square off, facing each other. And then... Kenny gets pulled away because his friends, Cody and Adam, go back to fighting with the Inner Circle boys. And Kenny looks so, like, annoyed that he has to get pulled away from what he really wants, and that is to stare down Moxley. But he doesn't actually end up helping his friends. He leaves the ring, and then he lets them handle their stuff and goes under the ring to get his awesome weapon, his barbed wire broom. (laughs) He's ready to aggressively clean. Um, <laughs> yeah, because that's what you're using it for when you're not beating up dudes. And he gets back in the ring, and then they kind of resume their, their squaring off. But Santana and Ortiz run out and break them up once again, and they take the weapons. And, you know, before they can really do anything with them, the Young Bucks are already on the scene to help Kenny and presumably the other elite members and so they they get into the mix and then Santana and Ortiz are fighting Omega and 
Moxley fight them off a little too, I think. It's at this point where, like, my recollection of the event starts to fall apart because there was just so much happening all at the same time. So things shift towards the stage and out of the ring. The action continues up there. Nick Jackson climbs up on one of the the uh, entrance, like, tube toppers. He gets yeah. up on the top of that and then jumps onto pretty much everyone who's out there at that point and knocks them out. He takes out a cameraman inadvertently, um, which is kind of cool because you can see the perspective. They still go to the shot and it's like on the ground and Jericho's laying there too. So it's very, very good. I don't think it was on purpose, but happy accidents. Very chaotic. Yeah. Uh, This continues on for a bit, but that's, that's really where I was just like, I don't know. I'm just going to watch this. I can't keep writing down everything that's happening. Um, was there anything else of note that you you caught or think needs to be mentioned? The only thing that I so I liked that Kenny and John did kind of join forces for a moment because they had a more immediate threat. I thought that was like some good kind of layered storytelling, you know, not not so black and white. Yeah, because like you've said before, it really shows like their motivations in this where they really do want to kick the shit out of each other, but there is some level of code between them where it has to be fair in a way, mm-hmm. like, which is nice. It's, it's good. Yeah, totally. Uh, so I like that. The only other thing I really noticed when I was watching this was that um, when John Moxley was walking through the crowd with that bat slung over his shoulder, the way that fans were like reaching out and like touching him, I was so afraid someone was going to hook their finger on like, on like a, a barb, you know, like how packed did. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's just that easy. I mean, that's the point of barbed wire. Yeah. Yep. That's dangerous. <laughs> it was, I think, it was pretty scary looking. I think at some point he chucked it over, like he threw it before he got to the barricade, possibly because of that, because yeah. when he finally got there and jumped over, it was laying on the ground. Yes, it was definitely. But I, I, it did. It was, it was a bit concerning. <laughs> hey, fans, don't touch the wrestlers. Yeah, for real. Please don't. Please just stop that bullshit. This one even used barbed wire to prevent you from touching him, and you still touched him. Yeah, please treat this like they're animals in a zoo. <laughs> <laughs> they will bite your hand off. Yeah, yeah, it's for real. So, I, I don't know about you, Megan, but I thought this was like, like a pretty. It was a pretty perfect go home show as far as building the the two like the two like real big matches with Co- especially Cody and Jericho. I thought I don't think they could have done a better job. I don't think they could have done a better job this whole six weeks of building up Cody versus Chris Jericho. I agree. It's very exciting. Definitely, probably the main match I'm looking forward to seeing, which I don't think I would have said. No, yeah. Uh, but it's just I need to see what happens. It's so compelling and how they're going to work within the bounds that they've put on themselves. Yeah. With Cody. So. Yes, totally. Uh, so yeah, so that was Dynamite, and that brings us to the second extra special episode of AEW Dark, which was I think they did it this way because. Usually it airs before Dynamite every week, but it's taped at Dynamite the prior week. So this week they've got a live pay-per-view. So they just want to—I think they just want to make sure they're airing everything pretty much in the order that they taped it. Now, will they do 
an after dark before the pay-per-view too like i know they have the buy-in show i don't know that's a good question they might tape some stuff so they can have content for tuesday i, I really don't know i get, we'll probably find out about that this evening we had so this is just but i think because of that they didn't do any storyline stuff uh they did short promos afterwards with a cut for a couple of the matches but there was no from undesirable to undeniable and no you know nothing nothing really special about this episode it was just three matches and a couple of pay-per-view video packages but oh do you guys just want to quickly talk about how do you think the addition of dasha with tony shivani is oh i think it's good we did talk about that a little bit um earlier but yeah i i think i think it adds something it's nice for him to have somebody to bounce things off of yeah and it's good experience for her as well and exposure for her yeah it's it's incredible to see her like as a human being (laughs) versus what she was doing at wwe yeah yeah i remember you guys used to talk about how she was kind of robotic yeah dave and i would always talk about the dasha bot yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've seen that much of her, but it uh she still seems like a little stiff, maybe like a little making sure she says her lines right, but hopefully working with Tony and getting some experience, she'll she'll be a little more conversational. I think that she was I think she got called up from NXT at the time, like during the time when you were not watching NXT, and by the time, you know, when you started watching again, she was already up on SmackDown or whatever. Okay, yeah, because I didn't really recognize her, but I recognized her name, so. Yeah. So for this show, we had Hikaru Ishida defeating Big Swole in the first match. And uh, the commentary team on the show, actually, we should actually mention, MJF was the guest commentator on the first episode of Dark this week, and I thought he was pretty good. I thought he was a good heel commentator. Jenny's rolling her eyes right now, but um, I thought you had less less mean things less negative things to say about him than usual he did better than i would have expected and he i feel like he was a lot of mjf in the first match and then he kind of toned down a little bit for the second two matches yeah i thought he was really good i just was a little for me it was a little jarring the way he went from doing his mjf extreme like look at these nerds and I hate poor people and, you know, arms um, to all of a sudden making the turn of like, now so-and-so is a very competent competitor. He's been doing this for this many years. And, and, oh, did you see that move, like saying technical move names and stuff? It was, Mm -hmm. I thought he did very good at both pieces. I don't know that he meshed them together well for me. Like it, it seemed like doing a lot of 180s on, in mid-sentence what he was talking about yeah yeah so uh the commentary for this show was uh kind of a revolving door as we had golden boy who's done pay-per-view and uh and br live specials before and i believe will be on tonight's uh full gear broadcast so we had golden boy and excalibur and for this first match with hikaru shida versus big swole we were joined by arnie anderson who uh was I guess I don't know I I think it seems like they're just they just like like to keep things fresh on dark. Was it also because just he's local? Yeah, I think that might have been another aspect of it. They, they knew he'd get the big prop, pop if he came out in front of that crowd, so which he did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, Sheeta beat Swole. Uh, 
Not a lot to it. It was I, I do know that uh, Big Swole was signed officially yesterday, or at least that's when the announcement came out. So uh, good for her. Yeah. Add another woman to the roster, and uh, she, uh, but she got taken out by a running knee. Now she's married to Cedric Alexander, and they have a cute little baby together. That's true. Yes. Cedric Alexander on Raw, trying to trying to figure out how he can get over onto Dynamite. <laughs> Uh, backstage, we had Hikaru Shida uh, being interviewed, and she did just like a quick promo about how she's happy to uh, show Japanese style. And uh, yeah, it was cute. Yeah, she thinks Emmy's gonna win. And she yeah, she picked Emmy Sakura, and we found out because I didn't know this that she is also a student of Emmy Sakura. And according to Jenny and her Instagram sleuth, yeah, do you want to say what you found out? She's not friends with Riho on Instagram. I think these two are, like, legit actual rivals in real life. Man. Aw, that would be sad to hear. <clears throat> you know, <laughs> Sheeta is getting set up, right? Like, she has a checking account, but maybe <laughs> she's just not there on the social media yet. Yeah. No, she's on the, I'm sorry, she's on the social media. Well, yeah, but maybe she's just not, like, set up with, with all her friends. Maybe Riho is just, it's it's on the to-do list. Add Riho as a friend. I mean, she has 30,000 followers. That's a lot to manage. I don't want to think they're not friends. This is depressing. I know. I'm worried. I was very excited uh, to start following Hikaru Shida's Twitter account this week as she's uh, tweeting about her adjustments to living in America a couple of days ago, she said, accidents in the USA, broken Michael Nakazawa's TV, iPhone was locked 24 hours because of forgetting Apple ID, apartment's website shut me out. Uh, she did She did a follow-up where she said, don't worry, everyone, everything is fixed, and for now, only problem is jet lag. So I guess she fixed Michael Nakazawa's TV, I don't know. But then, after that, she said, things I was surprised by in the US. Walmart has anything, so much lizard in Orlando... I can turn right even when the red light. She's learning. She's learning valuable lessons. She is. It's very it's very heartening. Uh, so I'm on her Instagram now, and she, Megan, you're going to love this, is posing with a Captain America shield. Aww. And, and her, her comment on her post is, after all, I need this shield if I live in the U.S. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Next up, we had Nyla Rose and Leva Bates defeating Shazza McKenzie and Shalandra Royal in what was supposed to be a tag team match, but really ended up as a two-on-one handicap match. And uh, Arn Anderson was replaced by Chuck Taylor for this one. And uh, Leva Bates was super excited that Nyla Rose is her partner, and Nyla would not tag out, so... Like, basically, the storyline that we were told is that Nyla Rose wanted to have a handicap match. Management wouldn't allow it, so Leva Bates was assigned as her partner. And she just destroyed these two and got the win. But, as a result, Nyla Rose and Leva Bates are now a 1-0 tag team. <laughs> and uh, the librarians get their first win. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, like, I wonder if Peter Avalon is going to be upset about this. I don't know. He wasn't allowed to come out. No. No. I imagine he'll be upset, though, because he was complaining about it in the last episode of Dark. Right? He was. was it, yeah. It, no, yeah. it was being the elite. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I just remember that was like it was a point of contention for him very recently. Yes. Uh, Alex Marvez was backstage uh, talking to Nyla Rose and asking why she didn't tag Leva Bates into the match, and Rose said, "Because I didn't have to." <laughs> and and harkened back to her casino battle royale win at All Out, where she eliminated half the field by herself. So, yeah. Very exciting. Uh, and then, uh, in the main event, we got SoCal Uncensored of Scorpio Sky and Frankie Kazarian and their partner Shima defeating the Hybrid 2 and Kip Sabian. And we are told that the Hybrid 2 and Kip Sabian have decided that they want to be like a full-time trio. I wonder how Penelope Ford feels about that. I don't know. Probably, I don't know how it would affect her. <laughs> Little Kip is falling in with the bad crowd. He's going to start wearing a bodysuit. Oh, oh gosh. no. <laughs> no. Don't do it, Kip. Just say no. Why would you put that energy out into the universe at all? Ugh. Jack didn't get to do a lot in this match. No, I don't think... I don't think this was his match. It wasn't Shiva got to do a lot. Yeah, did you say that they were trying to protect him a little bit more because he'd been losing a lot. Yeah, that was kind of Tony Khan. That was why originally on this week's Dynamite, it was supposed to be Pack versus Shima. And then Tony Khan made the call day of the show to switch it to Pack versus Trent because he thought Shima could use a win. So he, they, so they did the, the six-man tag for Dark. Oh, that makes sense. I was wondering why Pack was fighting Trent. Yeah. Oh, the vet turned out well. It did. Yeah. But I was initially kind of, huh. The finish was cool. Uh, SCU hit the SCU later, which I love. And then uh, that set up Sabian to get uh, finished with the Meteora from Shima. And uh, I like this trio. I like I like Shima as kind of an unofficial member of SCU. Yeah. And I'm glad he, he did get the opportunity to have um, a more positive outcome for this match because... I feel like it's been a while since we've seen him. It's been a while. I knew someone was going to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely been, it's been a few weeks, I think. Okay, so that was dark. And that takes us to the first week of the top five rankings. Who's excited for, who's excited <laughs> for weekly updated top five rankings in AEW? I know I am. What does this mean? Well, it's they're using the win-loss records to create a, a list of contenders for each division. Oh, okay. So the first rankings to come out were the tag team rankings, and uh, the champions are not included on these lists because they're the champions. So in the tag team division, we've got starting at number five because that's a more fun way to do a countdown. We've got the best friends with a tag team record of two and three. We've got the Dark Order with a two and two record. We've got the Young Bucks with a three and two record at number three. At second, we've got the Private Party at three and two, and the Lucha Brothers, number one contenders, with a four and two record. And you can see, like, even though the Private Party and the Young Bucks have the same record, it but makes Private sense. Private Party beat them. Private Party has a direct win over the Young Bucks, so they're higher ranked. I like that. That happens in my fantasy football rankings too. Yeah, and I imagine that were Santana and Ortiz to get a win over the Young Bucks today, 
they will find themselves in the rankings next week. Mm, they'll kick out the best friends. Very possibly, because the best mm. friends don't have a match tonight. Mm. Hybrid two, not on there. No. <laughs> they don't they win like a lot. And four? <laughs> yeah, I don't think they've won. Megan, do you have any thoughts on the tag team rankings before we go on to the women's division? Um, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, that makes sense. So it makes sense to me numerically, and the fact that private party got the win over the young bucks so that's why in in the event of a tie they get ranked higher i'm still not fully sure what like like we had talked about there's a subjective element to it but we're not sure exactly what else they take into account when they're doing these mm-hmm. and maybe it'll be more apparent when when we get a different mix but i'm interested in in how this plays out these make sense but the numbers make sense this week. Yeah. Uh, for the women's division, uh, at number five contender, we've got Nyla Rose with an overall record of two and three, but a singles record of one and three. In fourth, we've got Allie. Can I can I just ask a question? Sorry. Yes, you can. Um, for the rankings for the singles, is it based on their singles record or based on their overall record? I think it's based on both, but it's looking like the primary decider is their singles record based on the the largeness of that in the graphic versus the overall record's largeness. Hmm, that's confusing. I think it should just be based on their singles record. Okay. Uh, number four contender, Allie, with a 3-2 and two overall record, but a, a, a poor 1-2 and two record as a single. Hikaru Shida, a 3-1 and one overall record, a 2-1 and one singles record. Number two, Britt Baker, 4-2 overall, 2-1 as a single. And number one contender, Emi Sakura, who is 2-2 two two overall and 1-0 and oh as a single. Now, I take a little bit of issue with this. I think, even though it would have been a very short build, I think they maybe should have waited until Emi Sakura penned Riho on Wednesday in that tag match to announce her as the contender. Because it's like they justified it after they already announced the mm-hmm. the match instead of the other way around. Yeah. I was just trying to kind of compare the weighting of the overall versus the the singles. Because Emmy Emmy Sakura, like she's got a perfect record, but she only has as far as singles go, but it's only one versus like the yeah. others. And then her overall record is fifty fifty. So you know, like I guess I'm just trying to overanalyze it at how they're weighting all of these numbers that appear on my screen right now. It appears that the ranking is just based on the singles record, but in the event of a tie, it goes to your overall record. Cause that's how Britt Baker is. I don't know. Actually did Britt beat Hikura? Hikura Shida? No, but Hikura Shida's one loss is to Riho is that she was the champion. Hmm, I don't know. This so is I think confusing. that's, I think that's considered a more devastating loss. Hmm. Although Brits also lost to Riho. Yeah, I think that's, I think it's bad that Riho and I think Hikaru Shida should be ranked above Britt Baker. I don't think there's any question of that. They, they're both both their one singles losses are to Riho. And then but Shida over- has a better overall win loss record. Yeah, because she's three and one overall and Britt is four and two overall. Yeah. This really feels like they're trying to make Britt happen. No, I think it's just it's a very small sample size because 
these records are so small at this point. I don't know. Tony Khan's a statistics man. He should know how to do this. In the men's singles division, at number five, we have John Moxley, who has an overall 1-1-1 record, but a 1-0-1 singles record. Number four, Kenny Omega, whose overall record is 5-4, with his singles record being 2-2. Two two. Number three, Hangman Adam Page, an overall record of 4-4, four four, with his singles record being 3-2. The Bastard Pack, with an overall record of 3-1-1 with his singles record being 3-0-1. And, and Cody, 4-1-1 overall, 3-0-1 as a single. So how is Kenny over Moxley? Because Kenny has more losses than Moxley. Because um, Moxley doesn't have any losses as a singles. He has one tie and one win, but Kenny with two wins and two losses somehow ranked above him. Maybe it's just because he has, has he said so few matches. I, guys, I'm just I'm not I'm not understanding. Not feeling these uh these rankings. Yeah. I wish they would clarify. You know, I don't need like the exact formula they're using to do the math on it. But even if they would just be a little more open about what other factors are considered, because maybe that's the missing piece here when we're just looking at the straight numbers and trying to suss out why some are apparently getting weighted higher than others. If it's a win-loss record, there should be no other factors. It should be your win-loss record. And if it's division-based, it should just be your win-losses in that division. So it should just be your singles wins-losses or your tag team win-losses, in my opinion. I bet there's some sort of um, formula or way of calculating this that they're copying off other sports I'm just not familiar with because I'm sure this problem comes up in other places as far as like non-scripted sports. But uh, if you think it, about like from an NFL perspective, the preseason games, which I think you could think of as your tag team when you're a singles competitor as your as your overall record, those preseason games do not count for your record for your for your actual division record. I think they only count if there's a, a tie situation, right? No, they don't count for anything. They don't either. count for anything at all. So that's why I don't think it's a good comparison. Because clearly these overall records are counting for something. But they shouldn't. They shouldn't. As a numbers person, they shouldn't. Okay. And Tony Khan's a numbers person. They shouldn't count, Tony. Jenny, you know it doesn't count? What? Sean Moxley's fight with Kenny. <laughs> Nor did his fight with uh, Joey Janela. So that's two matches that he had that aren't aren't going to be included in these rankings. And that's how he's under Kenny. Yeah. See, I'm just I don't know. I'm so actually, are they trying to make Kenny happen? Is that what you? No, but I'm just really <laughs> actually upset by these. I'm I'm really upset. Okay. This should be clear. This is a win loss record. This should be clear. It should be just based on your division. And it should just be based on your win-losses. There shouldn't be any other factors from a subjective or qualitative perspective that are going into this. Okay. I didn't expect there to be this much discussion, but this is great. We can have this same argument every Friday. Great. This is like Jenny's – Jenny's a numbers person, and this is her distress level 
that's like the equivalent of me watching a Michael Nakazawa match mm. where he just oils everything up. Oh, I get it. Terms, perspective. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we all have things to be terrified of on these shows, apparently. <laughs> well, why don't we wrap up this show with some predictions for AEW's full gear pay-per-view, which airs tonight. What do you guys say? Okay. I say, can you read the card? Because I, I can't call it can. tonight. I have, it in front of me. I have the card in Excellent. front of me. I can, read, I can read in a loud, clear voice all of the matches for you and Jenny and myself to pick. We will start with Joey Janela versus Sean Spears with Tully Blanchard. Oh, um, I'll go with Sean Spears. I'll also go with Sean Spears, although as much as I bag on him, I wouldn't hate it if Joey Janela somehow snuck a win out of this. I am, in fact, uh, picking Joey Janela, so I'll be very happy uh, because then I'll be right. Oh, wait, this is definitely a champagne bet, right? This is a champagne bet. This and, is 100% a champagne bet. And unlike Tony Khan's records, we're going to go with whoever gets the most wins, wins the champagne bet. Yep. B. Priestley versus Britt Baker. I'm going with Britt. With champagne on the line, I'm going to pick Britt, but <laughs> I want B to win. I'm going with Baker also. Adam Page versus Pack. Oh, oh, I might want to go with my heart. You want that champagne, too. But I want that champagne. Damn it. Yeah, I've learned that going with your heart on champagne bets is a sure way to lose. Oh, oh I want Adam to win so badly, but I'm going to have to go with Pack for the champagne. What is the record between these two so far? So Pack submitted Hangman at the first episode of Dynamite. Then Hangman pinned Pack in the tag match when uh, Moxley DDT'd Pack and walked out on him. And then since, since, since then, it's been uh, just, you know, angles back and forth, including the angle this week where Pack kicked him in the, the jimmies. Okay. Um, champagne, you make things so complicated. Uh, I'm going to pick Adam Page. Why not? That is also my feeling. I also picked Hangman Adam Page. Oh, no. <laughs> no changes. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, next up, we go to SoCal Uncensored versus the Lucha Brothers versus Private Party in a three-way tag team match for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. Going with SCU. Also going with SCU. It seems too early to take that from them. Yeah, and I also SCU, so that one was kind of useless. Let's go to another one that will surely uh, be useless. Riho versus Emi Sakura. Riho. I agree. Riho. <clears throat> three Riho evening there. And the Young Bucks versus Santana and Ortiz. Uh, Young Bucks. Um, I, uh, I want to go with Young Bucks. I do worry that maybe that's not a good pick. I am going to go with Santana and Ortiz because I think this is a big win that would really establish them as players in the tag team scene. We go Chris Jericho versus Cody. Jericho. 
Oh, oh, also Jericho. Oh, you know what? Can I go back? For what? For oh, I think I'm going to go with Santana and Ortiz. Because uh, I'm, can I also make a prediction for what's going to happen? You can say it, yeah. I think that um, we're going to have a champagne celebration with the Jericho, but I don't think you could do that if Santana and Ortiz lost previously. Oh, so it has to be like a big inner circle night. I think so. Okay. And I think they're going to use magnums. I think Mega will talk to Jericho. I am going to go with my heart on this one, and I am picking Cody to take the AEW championship. And then, finally, in our lights-out match, it's John Moxley versus Kenny Omega. And this is one that I feel may be the most unpredictable match of the night. Does this one even count in a champagne bet? It, it, hey, I tell you what. This may not count on their official records. It sure as hell counts in a champagne bet <laughs> on, on the Elite Beat podcast. So I pick John Moxley. I also pick John Moxley. Oh, where else are we different? I want to make sure we have a good enough... Like, that is actually a, a champagne bet. Okay. Um, You're gaming the system. No, I just want to make sure for our listeners. You picked Pack, while we picked Paige. Um, Megan picked Young Bucks while we picked Santana and Ortiz. And I picked Cody while you two picked Jericho. All right. I'm going to go with Kenny. All right. That is Omega. Okay. Jenny, your picks. Spears, Baker, Pack, SCU, Riho, Santana and Ortiz, Jericho, and Omega. Megan, your picks. Spears, Baker, Page, SCU, Riho, Young Bucks, Jericho, and Moxley. And my picks. Janela, Baker, Page, SCU, Riho, Santana and Ortiz, Cody, and Moxley. So that'll be fun to look back on tomorrow as we recap AEW Full Gear. Yeah, so that's the plan. We are going to watch the show tonight. Unfortunately, not in person, like we were originally scheduled to. Yeah, I'm sorry. There's a lot of germs in the house right now. It's true. It's uh, it's practically a uh, Petri dish. And uh, But we'll be back with full gear. And thank you for listening to The Elite Beat. E-Elite Beat. E-Elite Beat. <laughs>